Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. Today's episode is all about words and pretty images. So listen as Elizabeth, Katie, and Kayla discuss some of their favorite comics, graphic novels, and manga. What separates these genres from others? What is a manga? And can these fans limit themselves to just talking about a couple of works? Tune in to find out these answers and more in this episode of Stacks and Stories. Hey there, everybody. So for this episode of Stacks and Stories, we are going to be talking about comics, graphic novels, and manga, and pretty much any sort of other medium that involves words and pretty images and printed on paper, or even on a computer, because we're going to mention webcomics as well. So my name is Katie. I am the Digital Documents Coordinator slash Cataloging Librarian at MLC. And I am also one of the editors of the podcast, but I have been dropped in front of the podcast today because I like manga. All right, and so joining me today, we have Kayla and Elizabeth. Kayla, I'm putting you on the spotlight. Please introduce yourself first. Oh, yay, okay, I can do that. Um, I'm Kayla Martin-Gant. I'm the Continuing Education Coordinator here at the Mississippi Library Commission, which means I'm involved in like a lot of webinars and a lot of a lot of talking and a lot of in-between. And I was last on the podcast when I talked about true crime with Alex. I'm Elizabeth Scott. I'm a reference librarian here at MLC, and I'm also the social media coordinator. So before we get started talking about our recommendations, I would like to pose a question to the two of you. What is your favorite thing about like graphic novels? What for you separates graphic novels from just like any old random book? Because obviously both of you like graphic novels and comics because we have you on this podcast. So what I don't say? know what you're talking about. I don't, <laughs> I don't like them at all. I'm just here. We just dragged you because yeah. I know where you work. I don't have printouts in front of me or anything. Nope. <laughs> for those of you listening to the podcast, Kayla has like 12 printouts in front of her. <laughs> Yeah, what's y'all's favorite thing about the genre? I, so I think I like it because of the way that the art weaves into the story. I'm a huge picture book fan too, even though I'm in my mid-40s. I love a good picture book. And this is, this is just an, an extension of that. It carries the art through. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think a lot of times the, the art itself, like especially, you know, with graphic novels, as opposed to picture books sometimes, you know, because with picture books, the illustrations are exactly that, like they're illustrating what the words are saying. And a lot of times with graphic novels, you get more story and more context with the images that, that you have. And I love it when they get real weird with it. it. It's interesting personally for me because like sometimes I have trouble, you know, interpreting images and interpreting stuff, you know, if I'm not just quite like in that mindset. So for a long time, I didn't read graphic novels. And then I found ones that just really dug their way into my brain and then that 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 was it for me both of those are really super good reasons and like exactly what I was going to say so now I don't have to say anything (laughs) (laughs) I think I started with like Archie comics when I was a kid you know because that's I mean Marvel was around but Archie was approved And so I didn't start reading graphic novels and comics as an adult until maybe 10, 15 years ago. And there's so much out there now. There is. And also, like, it's an accessibility thing, you know, especially when you're a kid. 
see, like the the main you know comic graphic novel whatever that I grew up with was Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. That was that was my family, and a parent. My mom loves to tell this story that my parents, when they were like dating, my dad would call my mom on her lunch break and read to her Calvin and Hobbes, which sounds cute until you realize, you know, this is at its core a visual medium. So there was like quite a bit lost in translation, and she was just like, "Can you? I love you so much. Could you not do this?" And he was like, "Nope, I'm gonna keep doing it." <laughs> yeah, I think mine, my first. Uh comic book graphic novel manga was the it was the sailor moon manga that i got at um borders and also like suncoast remember suncoast Suncoast. video (laughs) suncoast yeah and it was poorly translated it was poorly bound it was poorly printed because this was before like the western world started taking manga seriously and started viewing it as like a viable art form for those of you who don't know, since I haven't explained it yet, manga is basically the Japanese word for comic books. And so with my Sailor Moon growing up, it was purists would scoff at it because it was very much westernized, like a character's compared to Buffy at one point, which, you know, <laughs> Buffy, that television show that like all teenagers in 90s Japan know. Yeah. <laughs> But I ate that up. It was, that was my gateway. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, the same can be said for anime, too. Like, Suncoast was our our haven, which we could afford nothing in there. But, yeah, like, the all the kids now, all the youths, you know, <laughs> talk about manga and anime, and they act like I'm too old for it. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I used to tape on VHS tape, you know, Cartoon <laughs> Network, like, after school and Saturday nights. And we would trade video, ta- like, don't, don't tell me about the old ways, which, like, I was there when it was written. Like, I was there for cities of gold. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to use our talk about Suncoast video to springboard off into my first recommendation, because I bought so much merch from the series from Suncoast video. I actually have a messenger bag from the series and a terrible little beanie hat because I was that child but the series is a fruits basket and the author is Natsuki Takaya fruits basket is it came out in like early 2000s but they have recently they're re-releasing it with a better translation it is a soap opera it is just a soap opera it is a huge soap opera The premise is that there's this young girl named Toru. She's a high schooler and she, her parents are dead. And so she's like living by herself in a tent in the woods. And then she ends up living in the same house as the most popular boy in school, whose name is Yuki, and also a bad boy who does martial arts, whose name is Kyo. But Yuki and Kyo are cursed. And they turn into animals of the Chinese zodiac whenever a member of the opposite sex hugs them. And Wait, whenever a, mem- a, mem- a member of the opposite sex hugs them. They're both dudes. So if Toru hugs them, then Yuki turns into a rat and Kyo turns into a cat, which technically isn't an animal of the Chinese zodiac, but there's a whole reasoning for why he turns into a cat. And it's the most, it's pure soap opera. It's pure like, you are a 15-year-old girl, this is going to be your jam. Because it's overdramatic, it's so, like, it's very dramatic. People get hospitalized, people have big feelings. 
people have these very pretty men have very pretty big feelings and we have secret reveals that someone is related to someone else and someone knows someone else and oh this person knew Toto's mom before she died what oh this person caused the car accident that killed Toto's mom what and it is this big giant pile of soap opera trash and I love it it sounds like a CW show. It, it is. It really is. It really is. With attractive men who you know would be played by 20-somethings in the live-action remake. Of course, of course. Have they made an anime out of it? They have. And they have actually made two anime of it. And you will want to watch the most recent one because this is going to be a horribly dirty tangent. The first anime they made back in the early 2000s, but it ended after one season because... The author broke her wrist. And so the manga had to go on hiatus for a little bit. And then so the, they recently did a new anime adaptation that started in like late 2019, early 20. And you will want to watch that one because it covers all of the manga. Okay. Whereas the first one in the mid 2000s stopped after like chapter 30 when we had a very tragic, juicy reveal about Kyo's backstory. <laughs> It's drama. I love drama. I love that. I love that so much. Um, well, my ne- my first comic series is Saga, which is also drama-filled. It is also very soap opera-y, except it's space opera-y because it's set in space. And it's like Star Wars meets Game of Thrones I've seen, but it's basically just... Romeo and Juliet in Space. It's by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples does the art for it. It's like Romeo and Juliet in Space, sort of, kind of, and two people from opposite planets, uh, they fall in love very quickly and run away from the space war that's going on and um, have a baby and that's where it opens and it's basically the whole time people coming after them and them running away. So it's a statement against uh, war and it's just, it's a gorgeous comic and it always has something new. I love all the side characters like the people with TVs for heads and the lying cat that talks to you and just says lying or not lying all the time. I have a face mask with lying cat on it just because he's so amazing. Yeah, no, I've gotten to read Saga and like, I the one thing I remember is just, it is so funny. It's, it's very sarcastic and like a little mean, but in a fun way. And yeah, I love that. Yeah, I haven't read Saga myself, but I've read some other of uh, Brian K. Vaughn's work. Like, I read Why the Last Man, and I really liked that one. Yes. And so I will have to read Saga at some point because it's like, I like all the other stuff you read. I'm, I'm going to like this. <laughs> well, I have all of the collected volumes, one through nine, that they've released so far because they're in a hiatus, and they're going to start back really, really soon. I'm sure Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples are listening to this. <laughs> And so they will want to start back even more quickly so that we can get back to it because there was a big thing that happened at the end of the last one and I'm sure they didn't mean that thing to happen at all. So (laughs) they're going to address that in some way, right? So anyway. 
So my first one is, it's technically two because it's the first one and it's sequel. Uh, it's Hyperbole and a Half by Allie Broche. It started as a webcomic. Uh, you can view it, you can go to hyperboleandahalf.com. And so the first the first book is, it's, it's more of like a graphic memoir. And it's, it's, I've never seen another artist who can put so much like, emotion and facial expression in MS Paint graphics. But the, I mean, the talent, the range, it's truly astounding. But Hyperbole and a Half, like I've, I've started reading that webcomic before you know the book came out in 2013. And it's just the kind of like weirdly relatable, absurdist humor. Like there's, there's two bits from the webcomic that aren't in this first book, the a lot which is back in the day when she was a kid, Allie like didn't realize that a lot was two words. And, and also, you know, that people tend to make that grammatical mistake a lot. So she likes to imagine that the a lot is a creature and it's a creature made up of whatever they're describing at the time. So, you know, a lot of beer cans, I don't know. And then there's one called How Kenny Loggins Ruined Christmas which I will not describe any further. I just need everyone to go read the comic How Kenny Loggins Ruined Christmas. That right one now. made me laugh my head off. I, that one, because it just perfectly encapsulates the weird sort of absurdity that children get up to. And <laughs> I love it. All over yes. <laughs> it's incredible. So the, the first book is extremely, extremely funny. And then the thing is that Allie kind of disappeared. She, her last like webcomic, you know, that, that got like uploaded was all about having debilitating depression and, you know, kind of being in recovery mode from that a little bit. And then she just, she just like kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. And I, I, I was worried, which sounds silly because I've never met this woman and I don't know her. But at the same time, like when you read this book, you feel like you know her because there is, like I said, there's something so, it's so bizarrely specific, the situations she discusses, but extremely like painfully relatable. So then when I found out in, you know, that her next book was coming out in 2020, I was thrilled and I read it and it is equal parts incredibly like tragic and moving and then also equal parts unbelievably funny the the illustrations especially with her like insistent stalker neighbor child made me ugly laugh so hard they heard me three offices down which granted isn't that hard because i cackle like a witch but still like just y'all check these out please i'm begging yeah, I think we actually talked about solutions and other problems on the memoirs episode like yes. 10 bajillion years ago. So it now comes doubly recommended. Yeah, it's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> it is a very ringing endorsement. We'll put that like in the show notes or something. MLC, we really love Ellie Broche. <laughs> <laughs> so my second pick is compared to the super ultra dramatic soap opera of Fruits Basket, this one is very chill. It is called Flying Witch, and it is by Chihiro Ishizuka. There are about 10 volumes of it out right now. It also got an anime adaptation of 13 episodes. And it is a very chill, very slice of life story about a young witch who goes to live with her family in a sleepy small town. And they do fun, relaxing, sleepy small town things. She goes to the store in one chapter 
In another chapter, she makes a friend at a cafe. In another chapter, they go berry picking. And it is just the most chill, relaxing, calm thing you can imagine. It's like someone took that one scene from Kiki's Delivery Service where she's hanging out with her artist friend and then made an entire series of it. Makoto is our witch protagonist. She also has a cat, which books with cats are always good. And I highly recommend Flying Witch if you just want something to read that will bliss you out and keep you chill. There are... I can't even call it low stakes because there are no stakes. Like, (laughs) there's there's no, like, big dramatic save the world plot or anything. It's just like, we're going to go to the store and get some pudding. And then they go to the store and get some pudding. And it's relaxing, and I love it. It sounds like the perfect mundane, like, back-to-back antidote to the fruits basket. It really is, yeah. Yeah. I I contain multitudes. On the one hand, (laughs) we have very dramatic soap opera backstory reveals. And on the other hand, we have, like, and this episode is going to be about people going to a cafe and making a friend. (laughs) So mine is a little bit higher stakes than that, but it's also just super sweet. The next one I'd like to talk about is called The Magic Fish by Chung Lee Nguyen. It's a coming out story. It's about a 13-year-old boy who is gay and he has a very supportive friends group and he has very supportive parents, but his parents don't speak English very well. And in the very beginning of the book, he talks about how He went to the library to see if he could get some help from the librarian because there wasn't a word for gay in Vietnamese. And so he and his parents spend a lot of time reading fairy tales together to help work on their English. And the book itself is told through the fairy tales and then also through the boy's experiences, you know, just at school and with his friends. And then it also has interwoven his mother's experiences with leaving Vietnam and then going back. And each one is told in different shades. So the boys are red and his mothers are yellow. And then I can't remember if it's blue or green that are the fairy tales, but they go back and forth. And then, you know, you can tell, oh, I'm in this world or I'm in this world. and. They're just all braided together. It is the coolest thing. And it's very sweet and lovely. That sounds so nice. The art is gorgeous. And the art is gorgeous. I think I, the perks about being the cataloging librarian is I get first dibs on whatever (laughs) books come in the office. And I know that you had wanted to read Magic Fish because I think you were the one who requested we purchased it. But I read it first because it was hanging out in my office. (laughs) And the art is phenomenal. That one has been on my to-be-read list for a while, and now it's going to shoot up there. We have it. Yeah. So I'm in luck. So the next one I want to talk about just really quickly, because I know Elizabeth and I have one that we kind of want to talk about briefly together. But this one is uh, Deep Dark Fears by Fran Krauss. And it is, it's a collection because, so this also kind of started as a webcomic. It started as a Tumblr. Fran Krauss would illustrate some of his deepest darkest fears whether they were you know absolutely relatable or just super irrational and bizarrely specific 
And eventually he opened up uh, his Tumblr to submissions so that other people could submit their deepest, darkest fears, and then he would illustrate those as well. And he put a bunch of them into a collection. And they're typically told in four panels, like not all of them, but some of them. And I mean, it's a little bit like hyperbole and a half in that it straddles that line between like completely absurd, but also like, oh, I feel that on a molecular level. And then some of them are, you know, extremely profound and, and relatable in that way as well. But some of my favorites, like I printed out a couple of them just to share with, you know, you guys. One of them is when I can't keep from yawning, I know there are ghosts in my room opening my mouth to see if their hands fit inside. And then then another one, when I'm going to the kitchen late at night, I try to act funny and charming. That way, any murderers looking into my windows will think I'm too nice to kill. (laughs) And look, I love that one because I don't experience that specific situation, but I do have that thing where even when I am totally alone, I know I'm alone. I know there's no one else around. I still like, there's a part of me that wants to perform just in case, you know, kind of like that feeling where you have to like, control your thoughts in case somebody can read your mind (laughs) it's like it's so stupid but y'all are nodding because y'all get it no yeah yeah Um, so yeah and then you know like I said there's ones that are like really profound and kind of depressing and I'm not going to read those on the podcast because that's a bummer but the whole collection is delightful so okay do you want to talk about Nimona. Yes. The best one in the world. This yes. is this is now going to shift to the let's gush about Nimona for yes. ten Just minutes. Just briefly. This is the this is the Nimona. This is the Noel Stevenson appreciation podcast. We all love now. Noel Stevenson and we all love Nimona. So let's get to gushing. Yeah. <laughs> so this was after having only read Archie and like Sunday comics all my life. A librarian who used to work here, Allie Watkins, who's now at Startville Public Library said oh I think you might like this and handed Nimona to me and that was my introduction and I loved it I own it now I've read it I don't know four or five times and it's just it's so goofy and so sweet and just and I love the names I looked them up because I wouldn't remember them Ballister Blackheart and his nemesis Sir Ambrosius Golden Loin And those names tell you exactly what sort they of story do. it's going to be. They do. And and for those of you who don't know what Nimona is, it's basically like uh, Sir Ballister or Lord Ballister Blackheart, who's like a villain. You know, he's an evil villain because that's just his role societally. He's actually a pretty chill dude. Because his name is Ballister Blackheart. You're yeah, going exactly. You're an evil villain if your and, name is that. And the reason that Sir Ambrosius Goldenloin is his greatest nemesis is Sir Ambrosius Goldenloin is part of the Institution of Law Enforcement and Heroics. And hmm. they are actually, they're kind of terrible. They're the worst. <laughs> and then Lord Ballister Blackheart comes across Nimona, who is a young, very impulsive shapeshifter and who declares herself his sidekick, whether he wants it or not. And (laughs) it is, the art is so cute because all of Noelle Stevenson's art is just adorable. And the story is so charming and so funny. See, my introduction to Nimona was like, it was through the webcomic, but when I worked at the Brandon Public Library, I was, when I was the teen librarian, I had a mom come to me and be like, look, Like my son, he doesn't read, he hates reading. And I desperately 
needs something to get him interested. I don't care what it is. You know, I, I was like, okay, how am I going to? And I was like, you know what? Try this. And he kind of looked at it and was like, I don't know. I was like, look, just try it. And if you don't like it, I will let you come back here and make fun of me and tell everybody that I gave you a terrible recommendation. And he was like, sold. Because everybody loves making fun of adults. And then they came back two days later and he had loved it and sat down and read the whole thing and wanted anything else by Noelle Stevenson. And I was like, you're in luck, bud. So it's just one. And then like Noelle Stevenson also is one of the main writers for Lumberjanes. Which I also love. Yes. It's so delightful. Lumberjanes is a, is a, it's a multi-volume story, and <laughs> its tagline is friendship to the max. <laughs> and it's basically like this, this summer camp for young girls. And, uh, oh, it's, it's the camp for hardcore lady types yes. is what it's referred to as. And there's all, they have to fight all kinds of monsters, and it's just, it's wholesome and fun and weird, and I love it. I I also love when they have exclamations or what would you call that? Yeah, yeah. The holy Ida Jemison. Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> they just call out like historical women. <laughs> it's like a dorkier, nerdier version of like a bunch of Leslie Nopes just running around fighting monsters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Noel Steven said, I know you're listening to this podcast, just as Brian Kivon and Fiona Staples are also listening to this podcast. Right. And we love you tremendously. Yes. So before we finish things off, all of us love comic books and love graphic novels and love manga so much that when we were doing our team's group chat to n- nail down dates and everything, everybody came up with a list of like seven titles they really liked. And so... We can only talk about a couple of them on the podcast, otherwise we will be here for eight hours. But we are going to finish things off by doing a rapid fire list, like three to five titles and authors of books that you like, that you think people should also check out, that we did not get a chance to talk about. So, Elizabeth, do you want to go first? Oh, I'm first? Oh, yay. Okay. The 100 Nights of Hero, Isabel Greenberg. On a Sunbeam by Tilly Walden, Bingo Love by T. Franklin, and uh, Awkward by Svetlana Chmakova. I love Svetlana Chmakova. You have such good taste. Do you have some? I'll go next, yes. All right. Um, Rosa Versailles by Ryoko Ikeda. Cardcaptor Sakura by the group known as Clamp. Cheese Sweet Home by Kanata Konami. And Princess Jellyfish by Akiko Higashimura. Okay, yeah, that second one is like, or the last one is the one that I'm going to go with, Princess Jellyfish. That sounds great. It's very adorable, and I will tell you more about it later. Oh, good. (laughs) Okay, so I have The Wicked and the Divine by Kieran Gillen and illustrated by uh, Jamie McKelvey. Victor Laval's Destroyer by Victor Laval and illustrated by Dietrich Smith. Hark a Vagrant by Kate Beaton. There is a webcomic that goes with that. And then Through the Woods by Emily Carroll, which is uh, incredible. I totally thought you were going to pick that one for today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I got to pick all my spooky stuff. I, it, it seemed like it was a Caleb book. It is, but also, you know, <laughs> deep also, dark fears, baby, deep dark fears. Right. <laughs> well, thank you both for sitting down and chatting about comics, graphic novels, manga, and all that fun stuff with me today. As you can see, it was a real hardship. Oh, yeah. So, such a hard show <laughs> that we were grasping for material and not like, could talk about this for like seven hours. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Thank, Thank you, Kayla. You.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.